Coming up next on Contemplate. The person of Jesus Christ is what the whole story hinges on. If that goes away, the story's done. And you have no hope, by the way. That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington. And this is Contemplate. So how do you deal with Jesus? Was he a man, a myth, legend, really great guy, or was he God? These next three episodes are powerful. So please get out your Bible, and here's Pastor David. The true story of everything, right? So we're talking about you know, worldview, uh, big stories, meta-narratives, if you like fancy words. We're building a house, okay? We're building a house, and the bricks in that house are the ideas and the facts that we believe are true that help us to make sense of the world that we perceive, okay? So all these things are happening. We see bad things. We see good things. We see people doing strange things. We see all kinds of stuff, and we have to make sense of what all that means. And in the same way that we would study anything, we study the truth about everything. And so this series is a, a very kind of short and condensed series about the true story of everything. The true story of everything. Earlier on in the series, we talked about something I call the fact-value dichotomy, right? We talked about it like there was a house and on the first story was all the objective facts, right? We called that kind of the science-y type stuff, right? And on the top floor was the stuff like religion and love and justice and peace and these ideas, right? Um, all these ideas, friendship and, and, and morals and all that goes on that second story, that that's the way a lot of society looks at truth. They divide it. Here's these things that we call scientific that we can know, and here's these things that are really quite personal to you. You may believe that there's a Jesus, and you may believe that you know there are fairies, and you may believe whatever you want to believe, that Harry Potter is real or whatever, right? That goes up on the second story. That's not either true or false. It's just your subjective belief, okay? Your morality is your truth and mine is my truth. But when we talk about science, that's something that we can all talk about. And we talked about how that idea is false. How all of these ideas are either true or false and they're true or false for everybody. And so it's very important as we continue through this series that you understand that the things that I'm talking about when I talk about the true story about everything are not some thing on this upper floor that's subjective and just I believe it and you can continue to believe whatever you believe. I'm telling you that these things are true whether you believe them or not. They're true whether you believe them or not. I have evidence for them. I have reasons to believe them. I will go over a lot of those reasons. But when I tell you that this is what's true, what I'm, the statement I'm making is a truth claim. I'm saying this is true. Actually true. Not true to me. Not that you can have your own truth and we all have our own truth. This is the truth. If you miss that and you look at this like a lot of people look at um, someone who's a pastor or someone who talks about religious stuff um, and you think that's kind of this thing out there and this sort of opinion or whatever, it's not. This is not my opinion. This is not my opinion. I'm telling you these things are true. So make sure that you have that in your mind, that you understand at least that that's what I'm saying. Now, if you think that because I'm saying these things, that that's very intolerant and bigoted and whatever other words you want to put in there, that I think that I know the truth and that other people are wrong, yes, I do. 
I think that I know the truth and other people are wrong. We think about things all the time. What's wrong with me thinking about this? And if you disagree, you can come up afterwards and we can talk about how you're right and I'm wrong. But then, of course, you're going to be just as intolerant as me, so be careful about that. Um, In any case, but go ahead. We'll talk about how everyone can be right even though they say totally opposite, mutually exclusive things, um, which is impossible. Okay, So when I'm telling you these things, this is not some upper story stuff. You can't separate it. You can't do that. That's not an option for you. It doesn't even make sense. You either accept it or reject it based on the evidence that I give you, but by no means believe that what I'm saying is this is something offered to you, take it or leave it. I'm telling you, whether you take it or leave it has consequences. That's the point. Whether you take it or leave it has consequences. What you do with it has consequences, okay? All right, so now you got that going. Let's move on. Um, Let's recap real quick the first couple weeks that we did so that we know where we are moving into week three. In the first week, we had chapter one. I called it the beginning. The beginning, it talked about God created a perfect universe, right? He created a perfect universe, and he created humans, We talked about how we know that there's a God as we build this first brick in the big story of everything. The first thing that we know is that there's a God. How do we know? We talked about the Kalam cosmological argument. Okay, you don't need to know that name or or remember. You can if you want. Maybe you'll sound fancy. But we talked about this argument that says nothing can come from nothing. Nothing can come from nothing. And we know that the universe began. Therefore, something caused it to begin. That thing that caused it to begin is God. Boom, first brick in the thing, solid. The argument, in my opinion, is irrefutable. There are people who have tried, but I believe that the, the attempts to refute it are very, very weak. It's pretty obvious, and, and I think most of us know, even without calling it the Kalam cosmological argument, that nothing comes from nothing and that anything had to start, something started it, right? And so we understood that. We also understood that God had created us, humans, for relationship with him, and for relationship with each other, and that there was perfection, that God was holy, perfect, and he created us to be in perfect harmony with him in relationship. That's what it was about. And so here are these people, and they're created this way, and God gives them basically one rule. And in the second message, we called that chapter two, the betrayal. And the betrayal was that although people were created with this will that desired good, And although they were able to be in relationship with God, they betrayed and rebelled against God and did the thing, the one thing I gave you, one rule, right? The one thing that he gave them to do, they rejected him, rebelled against him, betrayed him, and did the thing that he asked them not to do. And when they did that, the universe broke, okay? I'm not talking just in a spiritual sense, although certainly that happened. The universe literally broke, The reason that you see death and disease and pain and suffering and evil is because of that moment when we chose to go our own way and broke the universe, okay? That's our next brick in our story, right? As we're building this house, as we're building this foundation, God created it perfect, we rebelled and broke it. We broke it, okay? There was a song several years back by a a Christian band. I think they were a Christian band. They're called Pocket Full of Rocks. Maybe the only song that, I don't recognize the name of the band, so maybe the only song they ever did that was popular, but I do remember this song. It was called Come As You Are, and the first four lines go like this. He's not mad at you, and he's not disappointed. His grace is greater still than all of your wrong choices. Okay, 
Um, the first two lines, he's not mad at you and he's not disappointed. I am the bearer of some news for you. False. God is justifiably wrathful, righteously wrathful. Okay? In other words, he's angry at you. If you are not in Christ, you are under God's judgment. I know that people don't like to talk about that sometimes, whether it's church or anywhere else, because it makes people feel bad. It should. It should make you feel bad. It should make you feel bad. I'm not a hellfire brimstone type guy. I'm not trying to scare you into heaven. But let me just tell you, there is a holy God, and he's mad at you. He's mad at you. Why? Because you broke the world, yo. You broke it. It, it's not like the vase from Walmart that was on your mom's shelf that fell over and broke. No big deal, right? No, no, no. You broke the universe. You've rebelled against the holy God. Those thoughts in your mind that you've had, those things that you've done when you've treated people like things, all of those moments in your life where you knew what was right and you did what was wrong, you rebelled, you betrayed your father who loved you. You betrayed him. Now, here's the thing. If God wasn't mad at me for what I had done, I don't think he would be someone I'd want to worship. Think about that for a second. If God's okay with all the wrong things you've done and he's totally cool with it, if God doesn't look at Hitler and say, uh-uh, is he somebody you want to worship? No. He has to be mad. It's the right way to react to sin. You should hate sin. You certainly hate it when it happens to you. You should hate it when it happens to other people too. And you should hate it when you do it. And he does hate it. And he's mad about it. Now, the second couple lines there are also true or are true. There is grace. And there's nothing that you've done that he won't cover with the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can come to him and know him. And he will see instead of looking at you and being angry, all of that wrath was poured out on the cross, if you'll accept that. Now, we'll get to that, and that is the crux of the big story and the true story of everything, okay? But the idea that God's not mad at you, then what's the grace for? If he's not disappointed or mad at you, what do you need the grace for? You need it, because he is mad, okay? Until you're in Christ. And then he doesn't look at your sin. He looks at Christ, who's already paid the price. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on here, okay? We talked about... And you got to understand that, you know, in God sending his only begotten son, we talked about the difference between created and begotten. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It was sweet. If you missed that, stop missing church. It hurts my feelings, okay? Um, come here because we talk about things like what's the difference between begotten and created. And it's good stuff for a party, okay? If you just happen to, people are always asking, what's the difference between begotten and created? They're probably not. But if they ever do, boy. You guys are ready. So, in any case, we talked about that. God's only begotten son, this is God. Okay, this is God. We had the perfect world. It was broken. And then last week, just for a minute, I talked about these whispers coming from these people, these Israelites, these Hebrews, these Jewish folks. There's these whispers among their prophets of this one that would come, right? This king that would come and take away the sins, the iniquity, the rebellion, the betrayal, of the world, he'd take it away. It's dark, but light is coming. There were these prophecies. The world is broken, we know it, but hey, there's one that's gonna come, and this is what was said. This is what was said. And in this one, 
we're going to talk about the fact that God truly sent his son, the son of God, God, into the world to become a human being. That, that fact is incredible. I mean, if you just were to sit and take a minute away from the Xbox or the PS4 or whatever you're playing or your Facebook, your phone, whatever, and you just sit there and just meditate and concentrate on the idea that the God of the universe became a human being, it's mind-boggling, blows the mind. And yet, I'm telling you, it's true. It's true, okay? So um, you've probably heard this story before, right? Right around Christmas time, there's a lot of songs and stuff that you hear, even, you know, just out there, whatever, there's all kinds of songs, and they have these um, facts about Jesus and his birth and so on. You've probably heard that he was a baby born on December 25th in Bethlehem and a bunch of barn animals and singing angels and shepherds and three kings with gifts and all this other stuff in these songs. You've probably heard that all this happened. It's interesting you might find that a lot of that stuff actually isn't in the Bible. Um, But that's kind of the story that you've probably heard about Jesus' birth. And we'll get back to whether some of that stuff is true later, but the important thing to understand right now is the significance of this fact, okay? I am making, write it down, a truth claim. God became man. And that fact, okay, that fact that he became a baby, grew into a man, okay? Later we'll talk about the fact that he died and then he rose again. The, the, The person of Jesus Christ is what the whole story hinges on. If that goes away, The story's done. And you have no hope, by the way. He sent his son to save us because we broke the universe, okay? And here's the other thing that's important about this fact. He sent his son while we were still rebels, while we were still betraying him. He didn't just send him after we were like, hey, we're sorry, we're never gonna do anything wrong again. Here we are, we're all perfect, and we all were throwing ash on our heads and saying we're sorry. That's not what happened. He sent Jesus to suffer as a human being and go through all the things that you go through and worse, to die for your sins while you were still betraying him, while we were still rebels, okay? That's important. That's a, that's a, that's a very important point. Now, here's the thing about this. This is a very big deal. This, this truth claim that I'm making, this statement is a very big deal if you believe in a different big story. If you have a different big story and it doesn't include a God at all, or it includes some different God or set of gods, or it says that people are basically good and so we don't need God or, or salvation or someone to pay for our sins or whatever, then Jesus is a very inconvenient truth claim to your big story. And so for those who have had different big stories in the past, they've had to find some way to deal with this Jesus, that Christ followers talk about, this Jesus who came, right? And and who we claim became a human baby, grew up as a man, you know, testified to the truth, worked miracles in power, died and rose again, okay? Those are some big truth claims. And people who want to say something different is the truth about everything, okay? The truth. They have to find a way to say that didn't happen because if it did happen, they got no answers for that. And so there's a couple, several different 
ways that people come at trying to get rid of the idea of Jesus, okay? One of them is what we talked about earlier, this two-story view of truth. They sort of sideline any talk about Jesus or religion by simply putting it in a place outside of facts. It's now subjective, right? And so it sort of sidelines any significance it could have because, oh, well, you like Jesus, I like Krishna, you know, you go this way, I go that way, everyone's all good, let's coexist, right? Um, and we should coexist, but that doesn't mean we have to agree with everything everybody says. That's how some people deal with it. Here's another couple of ways. One of, a, a relatively common way that people deal with it is they say, yes, there was a Jesus. He definitely existed, first century He's, he's there in Israel, he's doing his thing, um, and whatever, but he never really did any miracles, and he certainly didn't rise from the dead. Okay, so yeah, there was a guy named Jesus, but all the stuff that is, he wasn't God, and all the stuff that's said about him, as far as that goes, that's all false. That's, that's another way people deal with it. And then there's another way that people deal with Jesus, and that's the one we're going to talk about today, and it's relatively common. And that's the way, it's becoming more and more common, that's the way where people say, there was never anyone named Jesus. He never existed. There was no person named Jesus in first century Palestine walking around doing anything. Miracles, no miracles. He just didn't exist. He was made up. He was made up. This is called the Jesus myth theory. Okay? The Jesus myth theory. We're going to deal with it um, right now. Okay? Uh, argument one. No contemporary eyewitness accounts survive about Jesus. That's what they're saying. That's their first argument. They say, even though many people were writing at that time, we have no contemporary eyewitness accounts. Number two, they say the writings of Paul, which is a lot of the New Testament, suggest that Paul did not believe Jesus was an actual person who lived in the first century. He wasn't a real person. Paul didn't think so, they say. Number three, they say the stories of Jesus have syncretistic mythical origins. And I'm going to explain to you what that means. What they're saying is, is that there's all these myths about all these gods that existed, okay? And that basically what happened was some people took all those stories and invented this guy, Jesus Christ, for some either nefarious reason to control the people or even for an altruistic reason to get people to do the right thing. However you want to look at it, either way, they took all these myth stories and they took little pieces from them and they invented Jesus, okay? That's the third argument. All right. For those of you who have, who have been around for a long time, you know how this works, right? I take this theory, we're going to talk about the problems with it and the solution to it. And why do we do that? Why? Because God gave us brains. And we have to think and examine evidence. That's what we have to do. One of the things I like about Pastor David's teaching is that he gives us real facts and challenges us to think. And if you could use a little more thinking, come see us at Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington. Pastor David loves to meet folks from our Contemplate audience, and you'll be blessed by the people here who love Jesus and each other. Get easy directions and all the info you need at axechurchnw.org or call 360-885-9000. Hope to see you this Sunday. I also hope you'll click on the next episode for more powerful teaching with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.